You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael from Arizona. With me always is my good friend, Jay from the hills of Texas. And we're going to have to excuse AK Mike again today. He uh, is Playing busy. Hooky. I know, he's busy as a beaver. I don't know what the story is well, with him. It's, it's summer, and so he's... Uh, <laughs> he well, other, we are uh, too. ...interests and things that he's doing, and... He's no, a mover and shaker, and you know. Yeah. Well, the the main thing is, is that with my work schedule and Mike's work schedule, and you know Jay's retirement schedule, it's kind of difficult to get all th- you know three of us. We usually try to plan it out, but uh, sometimes I'm gone, or he's gone, or you know he's busy, I'm busy. Uh, so getting him in here, it's easier for Jay and I to get together to do these, uh, and we bring Mike in when we can. So uh, we will excuse him tonight. Uh, we love him and uh, love it when he's on, but uh, understand that he's got. Uh, other things taking him away from that. So we'd like to welcome you to the Park Flyer Podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, But before we get started, how about a word from our sponsors? Three D Aerovictures, adding fun to the RC hobby, one layer at a time. Feeling weak and powerless? Sounds to me like you need A-Power batteries. When someone needs the best, they always choose the A-Team. A-Power batteries. Get on the web and get yours today. And we're back to the Park Flyer Podcast. Welcome. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about doing this is that uh, we get feedback from our listeners on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and uh, they're not afraid to let us let us know <laughs> they are not. what's on their mind. And that stems way back from, you know, when we uh, first started doing this. And uh, I think our friend Doug Leroy, he kind of ha- put the hammer to us once or twice. And uh, and we love that, and we learn from it. And, you know, I, I have to say that we've been doing this quite a long time, and uh, it's, it's always good to share our experiences, but it's always good to have someone, you know, kind of shine a light in our direction and say, hey, look, you know, make sure you're doing things the correct way. And. So I have to apologize because in my haste of talking about things, uh, I live in a world, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm a, you know, a full-time pilot. Uh, That's what I do for a living. And so in, the, uh, wor- in my world, it's full of acronyms. Everything acronyms has an acronym. Everywhere. Uh, you know, if you're a pilot, then you understand a VOR or a DME or a GPS. Or, you know, if you're not a pilot, you maybe understand some of those. Uh, but I'm, I literally live in this world. And so I got busy doing something and somewhere in my head, I said ASX3 and in reality it's AS3X. So we had some listeners on our Facebook page, which if you're not on our Facebook page, jump on there. Uh, we love to have you. And, uh, anyway, they pointed out the fact that, uh, you know, we were constantly saying ASX3 and it's not, it's AS3X. It's a spectrum, uh, product. And um, you know what? I 
a lot of times we do these on the fly where, you know, we edit them, but we can't go back and edit what we say. We could cut it out, <laughs> yeah, that's but, but I can't change, you know, other would be like a, a blank and then, you know, it's a AS3X, you know, I mean, it's kind of one of those bad things. <laughs> and, and we do this kind of on our time that, you know, we get together and what you're seeing is live. What you're hearing is, you know, mostly live uh, for us at that particular moment in time where, uh, at you know not in a recording studio with someone that can cut and paste and you know change or go back like they do in the movies this is pretty much what you hear is what you get uh, but we appreciate you uh, pointing that out so we will try to remember to say the proper terms uh, escape was out there I think it slipped out a couple of times and we are trying very hard can't help it <laughs> so that that actually stems from way back when I mean that that the escape term came out of I I can't remember who came up with it, but it's, you know, it's a key on your keyboard. It says ESC, and somebody just said, "Oh, you mean your escape?" And we kind of laughed at the time, and then we kind of nicknamed it. So it was it was mostly out of jest, but we've used it for so long as just a kind of a standing joke that it kind of caught on, and now we find ourselves doing it on the podcast. Right. The nickname and, uh, stuck. It did stick, and it was uh, it was strictly somebody else that was outside the industry that had thought about it and didn't understand what that, you know, electrics were brand new at back then. Right. So, uh, we were still getting kind of out of the gas world into the electric world. So, uh, and then the other, uh, correction that we need to do, uh, for you listeners is the, uh, we had a episode where Mike, uh, you, me and Mike were all talking about electronic magnetic interference. Right. And I think we, we shortened that to EFI, which in reality is electronic fuel injection. <laughs> <laughs> what we meant to say was EMI, which is electromagnetic interference. So with the whole podcast, we were saying EFI, and it was supposed to be EMI, and somebody actually pointed that out. So we appreciate the fact that you guys are on top of things and listening as close as you do uh, to catch our mistakes. It's always fun. To Haters got to hate. <laughs> Haters got to hate. You know, I don't think they're hating. I think they're just pointed out. And probably, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, you, you guys, you're supposed to say this, and you really said that. And I guess if we put ourselves out there as some somewhat of experts in the field, or at least you know doing what we do, uh, I think that uh, it's fair. So we we don't get angry. We always enjoy it. And sometimes, if you're lucky, we'll poke fun at you uh, back. Uh, but yeah, please keep re uh, you know putting that stuff out there. We love it when our listeners respond. Uh, I will tell you that uh, running a podcast or hosting it. Uh, sometimes you don't hear a word. It's like not a peep. You know, you can see your uploads, downloads, that kind of thing, but you never hear back. You just wonder if anybody's actually listening or just downloading them. So the fact that people are actually going, you know, back and forth, we just ask, honestly, that you're kind to one another, right? That's the biggest thing is that this is a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. And if somebody, you know, I don't want anybody jumping on someone else because they, you know, poke the well, finger I have, at I us really haven't seen that in the comments or, or no I'm just or people I, I haven't either but I just want to be fair you know I just kind of want to put that out there that I I you know we kind of run this thing as as a little tongue-in-cheek and a little seriousness but it is a hobby so uh just be kind to one another we're all learning and if uh you know somebody knows something about it then share it if they don't then you know don't don't drop the hammer on someone just because they came you know they said something to us about uh, the way we work, it's it's not we have we're like water off a duck's back. It doesn't bother me. It takes a lot to get us upset. I think. Matter of fact, Jay and I have known each other for so long. <laughs> it takes a lot to get either one of us upset, especially when we're talking to each other. 
and uh, and trust me, we can get off the rails. Luckily, this is a family show, and we kind of keep it together. But uh, normally, if you've heard our phone conversations, uh, sometimes they can. Or get if you walk out. past this in the store. Or that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've gotten myself in trouble in the grocery store with uh, my phone in the ear talking to Jay. Uh, luckily, it wasn't on speaker, but uh, my comments back to him could have cost me uh, some jail time. I think so. Uh, it, or at least a couple of scowls from some lovely young ladies or older ladies that weren't too happy with my conversation. Most definitely. Uh, okay, so we'll try to keep the escapes down to a minimum, uh, and we will uh, try to use the correct terminology. Now, having said all that, let's talk a little bit, because there was some discussion on our Facebook page about the ASX3, or AS3X. Uh, I almost See? did it again. Yeah, it's very difficult because it's come out. Uh, the AS3X... Um, and, and I think there was some confusion and I think, uh, not throwing Jim under the bus cause he, you know, I don't want him to feel that way, but I think there was some confusion in my explanation to Jim about what the, the AS3X does. And so when Spectrum came out with this product, uh, it was really an attempt to gather more, uh, people into the hobby because the hobby uh, was not growing at quite the rate, and they, you know, I think they came together and said, and this is speculation on my side, but uh, you know, I think they got together and said, how can we sell to the masses? Well, people don't know how to fly. Who wants to spend three hundred fifty dollars on an airplane, go out thirty seconds later, put it in the ground? Nobody, because then it's not fun, right? So, how do we design something that will help the uh, person that doesn't know how to fly uh, get better, or at least try to? somewhat learn to fly if they don't have a coach or instructor or a club kind of like in your instance where you just go out to the field you're kind of on your own right there's nobody standing around telling you this is the way you know it should work so the as3x uh, has a couple of different modes uh, for lack of a better term the first two are like trainer modes you can do a uh, kind of like a trainer where i can take off i can limit the bank angle i can limit the pitch uh, and that way the airplane stays upright and it does slow turns to the left or right. It won't roll. It won't fly inverted. Uh, it won't, you know, do anything stupid. It just flies around. And then when you come into land, you can chop the power. And the the gyro portion of the AS3X kind of keeps the wings level. And then the, uh, the, the training mode of it kind of limits things. And you can change all of that. As a matter of fact, I have an iPad and a phone an iPhone that both have the program, the AS3X program on it, where I can, on some of mine that I have, I can just, you know, jump in there and change this stuff right, right on my phone. And, and I think they, they, you can get a dongle and you can do it like through Bluetooth. You can. I, yeah, uh, mine is Bluetooth. I remember seeing something like that. Mm -hmm. So they had a couple of different ways you can get in there and, and mess with the software or upload or turn off features. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the training modes – uh, are are built to help people learn to fly. And I think in Jim's case, uh, he may have been thinking that he did the trainer mode. Uh, and there are certain, you know, ways to set it up. The, the second part of the training mode allows you, it's, it's called an advanced mode, and uh, it will allow you to do uh, really cool stuff like loops, rolls. So once you get used to flying the airplane and you're comfortable with it, you can switch the mode and then you can start learning aerobatics, right? You can do all those fun things that people go out there and do uh, either accidentally or on purpose and still recovery. And still, and, you know, still fly it and recover it and land it. So you can flip between those two modes. Uh, the third mode is a strict re strictly a recovery mode. And I think you can, right. you can program all of those into your radio or you can turn one on 
and the other one off. Um, they they do give you a pretty wide range of things that you know you're allowed to do. Uh, so you just have to kind of get into the manual and, and you know kind of program things the way you want it. Well, in Jim's case, uh, he had programmed just the recovery mode. And so when we were talking on the podcast, uh, when I was at your place, um, you know, we were talking about flying with Jim. Those were the things that I was trying to discuss, that the fact that there, was, there wasn't a training mode set up. It was only the recovery. So when you click the button, or in, this, in his case, click a switch, switch then the switch stayed in the recovery mode. It didn't. It never came out. You had to literally flip the switch back off, which was a little disconcerting for, you know, I flipped the switch and then went to go make a turn, expecting it to do a shallow turn in the training mode, and it was not in the training mode. So it didn't do anything but just fly straight. There was not, I mean, stick-wise, couldn't do anything. So I had to flip that switch off. <laughs> Remember, which, you know, I'm flipping switches. Finally got it back. So, um yeah, it's, you know, there was some discussion, I think, too, on, uh, you know, a couple of the guys were talking about uh, learning to fly without it. I think you and I were in the, the realm of learning to fly without any gyros at any given time uh, because when we first started, there were no gyros. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> heck, heck no. At least not for our little flyers, right? Park flyers, nope. you know, who put a there, – there were for the big jets. I will tell you that those gyros have been around for, you know, so, some time, and uh, there's newer ones out. But they, they did have a couple of companies for the flying the larger jets because they're super fast, and you want them to be, you know, somewhat stable. So so what – I guess this is a pretty good discussion on gyros themselves, but what do you think the gyros for? Because I hear you talk about it all the time, but kind of give me what your thought process is about. I mean, what, what do you use it for? Well, it depends on the aircraft that I'm using, right? So, like, for uh, the reason I like the gyro in Jim's smaller F9 EDF is that, you know, it's a smaller, you know, 50, 50, 55, 60 millimeter EDF jet. And unfortunately, when they're that small, they're very twitchy, right? So mm -hmm. if it's dead calm, the plane flies, you know, the gyro off, the, the plane flies perfectly. It flies fine. Mm hmm you get a five to 10 mile an hour wind in there gusting a little bit. And that little plane becomes a, you know, not a super handful, but you know, for somebody who's just learning EDFs, it can be a little disconcerting for some of the stuff that it can do. Now there's something and very, there's something very important about that airplane. What's that? That makes the gyro definitely worth it. And what, what is the one thing missing on that plane? Oh, it doesn't have a rudder. It doesn't have a rudder. That is correct. So any type of wind, the airplane's going to start rocking back and forth. Now, the gyro doesn't have a rudder input in there, but it definitely does kind of stabilize it. You're still going to get a little side-to-side -side motion, but the ailerons uh, and the, you know, they, they stay a little bit ahead of the game. Well, it dampens everything, right? It does it just, dampen it. It all. just moves the plane out. It dampens it. You, you're not as susceptible to that little bit of a, a sharp wind that comes up, which would which might, you know, you know, jeer you over to the left or right. It, it, you may start that, but you don't have to, it's already recovered by the time your brain's just processing what's happened. Right? Correct. Yes, that is correct. And that, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that, that we're, you know, kind of talking about in this gyro is that in, in my eyes, I, and every, you know, it's kind of funny because I learned to fly without gyros and I learned to fly without expo. So yeah. 
so that, in my eyes, when you start flying smaller airplanes, like little park flyers, if you can fly the airplane with no gyro, no expo, high rates, right, you, <laughs> you get a little bit less jumpy on the sticks. And what I mean by that is you're not banging the sticks around. Because I think in this trainer mode with this AS3X, you can flap the, you know, you can, you can peg the, the, the sticks out and the airplane won't do anything, which is a terrible in my eyes, right? You don't, you want to bang the sticks around. You want to be smooth as glass. And, and if you watch me fly, which is one of those things that Jim was talking about, I mean, I think the last time there he complimented me, he's like, wow, this guy's so smooth. It's because I hardly move the sticks. I mean, I, unless I'm flying 3D, which is a totally different deal, so we'll take that out of it. But if I'm flying a jet, Warbird, EDF, uh, just a normal, you know, like just even a J3 Cub, my big Cub, I'm not banging sticks left and right, twanging them, you know, that kind of thing. It, it very rarely leaves the center. So if I needed to, to make a turn or climb, I just put a little bit of input in there until I'm done with the input and then put it right back. And, and the gyro... Um, in my particular case, I use a Demon Cortex for a lot of my airplanes. And this isn't a plug for Demon, but it, it, I like them because they don't have as strong of what, what is called latching. They don't have as strong latching as some of the other gyros. And, and the latching part uh, for me is really troublesome on some of these a little bit less expensive gyros, uh, meaning that it comes back. Now, you can tune a lot of that stuff out of there. But uh, for me, when it grabs, uh, you know, the airplane again, it has a tendency to be a little harder at it. Uh, and, the, and my demons actually, you know, soften that up. Now, that's not the main reason. The main reason is because I can use them as a receiver. Oh, that's true. Well, yours is ultra fancy, you know, as opposed to like what Jim's using. I think sure. he has a lemon. Uh, and uh, no, that, that thing's... It's pretty simple, but it, but it isn't. I mean, it, it, it allows you to, uh, you, you know, you can you can assign a, uh, one of your, your, not your switches, but one of your uh, rotary knobs mm -hmm. to take your gain in, in and out of it remotely, which is really neat if you set it up that way. Uh, so you can fine-tune your, you know, because on one of my older gyros, you know, I go up there and fly, and the plane's super twitchy. And I'm like, uh -huh. whoa, I have too much gain in the gyro. And I would land, get on my really teeny tiny, you know, yeah, microscopic screwdriver, and I'm in there trying to see. You know, and once again, I'm older, so I gotta have glasses. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to see this right. little thing, which the gyro's up in such an angle, and I, you know, I'm in this impossible thing with my sausage fingers. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a bit of a pain. And now, you know, most of them come with, you know, this. Uh, when you set right. it up, you can assign a, one of your rotary switches to be to to do your gain. So now you can right. sit there and you can figure out your gain while you're flying. Um, and then you can save that gain, you know, and fly and have no problems. Or you could, you know, disable the rotary switch so that, you know, later on, you know, you don't fly for a month or two and then you forget, you know, that you had gain in there and you, you're messing with your knobs and you turn the, turn the gain went up, go up and fly. And you're like, whoa, my gosh, what's wrong with this thing? But anyway, um, it's, it's pretty neat what these, these newer, uh, you know, what these newer, uh, gyros can do. And once again, they're, you know, in the size of something right. like this, yeah, that's postage receipt and everything. That's, that's yeah. the amazing thing. Well, I, I know that on our Facebook page, there was some discussion on, you know, whether you should use one or learn to fly with one, you know, not. I, I am all about learning to fly with the least amount of crutches. It, it, I don't want to say crutches. That's the wrong term. The least amount of uh, automation. 
That's a better term to put it, right? So you can automate a lot of things, but if you're learning to, and in my particular world, uh, I'm, I'm both a certified flight instructor for real airplanes, and I'm also an AMA instructor for new people. And what I have found is that it's a lot better to learn the basics on something simple than to jump into some complex, you know, type sure. individual. So, or, or some complex, you know, type structure or, or airplanes or, you know, just the learning curve. So if you have, uh, you know, I think um, E-Flight or somebody has, you know, a little cub or, uh, you know, Taylor Craft or whatever that they that they have. And it's a fairly easy high wing training airplane. And I've flown guys with it, um, you know, where they're on a buddy box or what have you. And uh, and it's easier to give them instruction, you know, with that. And, and the AS, I, I've done it with the AS3X. I've done it without it. And uh, in the buddy box, normally I let people go as far as they can before they finally go, oh, I don't have it, you know, and then I can take over and usually recover. Uh, but even with Jim, when I was flying with Jim, I, you know, it's, it's easier for me to say, hey, don't – I turn the gain down and allow them to learn to fly it so that they're not moving the sticks around. And that way it's not a crutch, right? They're not banging left or right to get the airplane to do one or the other. And, and I'm busy saying, okay, just – just let go, right? Let go there, Yoda <laughs> and uh, Luke. Well, and, yeah, and, because you know. once again, it's a different, you know, Jim's biggest thing is he's trying to calibrate his eyeball, right? So mm -hmm. he's, he's got, you know, decades of experience on regular planes, but going to this EDF stuff. That's new. You know, it's a different time zone, right? Sure. You're in a different time frame for how they, you know, how fast they fly, what happens with them when they fly. Mm -hmm. And it takes a little while to just get calibrated flying them. And with having a gyro, you know, to me, even though it may be a crutch, but having having that gyro, it's one less thing for them to, you know, once they trust the gyro, it's one less thing for them to think about while they're getting their head and eye and time kind of calibrated to what the situation is, right? Because they, right. they're not like, oh, my gosh, I got to, you know, it's kind of like learning how to drive for the first time, you know. Um, I, I remember when I came back, you know, my mom asked me, well, where'd you go? And you know, what was going on? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. I was staring at the center line the whole time. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm driving on the white I, line. I no idea. Yeah. yeah I, I had no idea that right. I passed a fire truck that was on fire right. going down the, you know, the highway. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. Exactly. So it's, to me, it's kind of like that, you know, he's busy figuring out what's going on, trying to listen to you, even though you're buddy boxing with him. Mm -hmm. But now he has he has something, you know, that's helping him as you're trying to explain how to set the plane up at the altitude to get ready for a landing and, you know, what to do with the with the throttle as opposed to your altitude and that whole mind shift, um, you know, having to, you know, him trying to constantly pull pull up or pull, you know, to right, keep the plane right. level or, or to gain altitude. And you're like, hey, just you can control that just with the throttle. And he's like, what? You know, so it's just one of those things. It's it's something to take one less thing out of his hands for the time being. And then later on, like you said, you can start dialing things down where, you know, it's right, not so much of a right. crutch once he gets his head calibrated for flying EDFs. So that's what I like about it. Well, one of the things I've noticed having flown no gyro and gyro and actually having, you know, seen guys that have flown with none and then they fly with it or they fly without it, some of the new guys. Uh, and this happens in the real world too, which is why it's so familiar to me. But people get in in the real world they get ground rush they're sitting in the airplane the ground starts getting closer to them and they start going whoa, whoa, whoa and they start pulling back right and and mm -hmm. the problem is it's not a smooth transition it's an instant it's a jerk right they go huh, and the airplane responds to that 
because it's like you know, like you said, you know, you're watching the white line. Well, they're watching dials and you know speeds, and they're trying to flaps and all that other crap that's going on. And then all of a sudden, they look up, and the runway's like right there. And and it's it's not a panic, but it's all of a sudden like whoa! And and they jerk the stick back, and of course the airplane reacts. And then as an instructor, I'm like, oh, you know, let's not be so jerky on the controls. Well, when I do it in the RC world, I see guys that are flying. They fly beautifully. Jim flies beautifully, comes down to land, gets four feet off the ground, and sees that the airplane's about to smack the ground and instantly jerks the stick, and now the airplane stands on its tail. Right, 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 right. And sorry, Jim, I'm not throwing you under the bus. It didn't happen to him. I'm just saying that in general, you know, all of a sudden now the airplane's in a nose-up position, and now the airplane's bleeding off speed at a ridiculous rate, and you know what's going to happen next. The airplane's going to get to where it exceeded the critical angle of attack, and it's going to stall, and now the wing rolls over, and it's a now it's a full-on panic. What do I do? How do I save this airplane? Uh, and not in Jim's case, but just in general, right? So, so it's difficult uh, for people who you know, we're learning to not have this instant, you know, jerk reaction. And I think the gyro solves that problem because the, the airplane now actually is in a controlled descent, right? It's not, even if you were to jerk back on the, on the stick a little bit, if you've got the right gain setting, the airplane's only going to move a little bit. And, and, and so it's almost like flying a computer rather than flying an actual, you know, control surface. And and in the real world, the Airbus 320 is a fly-by-wire. And you can jerk the stick back as hard as you want, and the airplane's going to go, hmm, okay, well, that's not really – you really didn't want that, right? You wanted this, and it'll give you, a, you know, a nice smooth transition where you just peg the stick into your lap. and. And so I think that the gyro helps out in that particular, at least in my experience, watching the guys fly them uh, and, and training with some of these guys, that's what it does is it helps you not be so jerky on the stick. Now, you can still jerk it, but it'll soften, dampen what you used the term before. It'll exactly. dampen some of that. And, and in Jim's case, uh, I heard you say it, and you know I've said it to him, uh, you've got you to trust it because the gyro's not going to do anything. It's constantly trying to keep the airplane in a wings-level, you know, kind of forward motion thing, uh, moving forward. So it's not going to roll over on its back. It's not going to do anything ridiculous unless you do that. Uh, but one of the terms that I used for Jim the last time, and he is a real, he's a, uh, um, you know, an actual pilot as well, so he kind of understood this. But I've seen, I've used this terms uh, with non-pilots, and they were like, what are you talking about? But it's called arresting the sink rate, right? You want to arrest the sink rate. So rather than, I, I hear people all the time, I've heard other instructors at our club where they talk about, they go, okay, well, pull back on the stick. Unfortunately, in my eyes, that's a that's the wrong term, right? Because when you say pull back on the stick, that's from zero to hero. Boom. You know, I got 100% in there, right. and that's the right. wrong thing to do, right? Wrong terminology. Right. And so what, I'd ra- what I try to do is talk to people about arresting the sink rate. Now, you can do that one of two ways. You can arrest the sink rate with power, or you can arrest it with elevator. So if you come back a little bit on the elevator and the airplane's getting to a nose up, the only other option is to continue to pull back and stall the airplane or add power to get more airflow over the wings, which will give you more forward flight than downward flight. So it's a little bit of a trajectory. And and I think, you know, when I was talking to Jim out of the field when I was there, when I used those terms, he kind of understood it. And I was telling him, you know, just just bump the power a little bit, 
that will arrest your sink rate. So now you're not coming at the ground, you know, at this incredible fast speed. And uh, But even if you are, I think the gyro at that point is going to at least keep your wings level. You're not going to cartwheel it. You may pancake it, but you're not going to cartwheel it down the runway. So anyway, long discussion over it because I know there was some discussion uh, on our Facebook page about, you know, people, whether they should use it or whether they shouldn't. And I think it's a great tool. Uh, if you learn to fly without it, I, I do think that, you know, you're one of the few guys. I fly with them all the time. And what it does for me is make it feel like more of a real airplane feel, if that makes sense. Okay. Because I fly, you know, large transport category airplanes and I fly small airplanes. And I, and I know that the faster uh, in a small airplane, especially if it's cable driven, the faster you go, the, you know, kind of you get some resistance, uh, air resistance on the controls. And a gyro gives me that feel. So when I go to turn, it actually feels like I have air resistance on the ailerons. Now, on a big airplane, it's all in springs because the they're fly-by-wire. So there is right. no resistance. It's 3,000 PSI of you know hydraulic fluid out there moving your control surfaces, and you're not doing anything but telling the computer what to do. <laughs> so they actually put a spring inside the control yoke to give you what they call a feel. So when you go to turn, it feels heavy. It doesn't feel like it's just like, you know, like you're driving a kitty car. <laughs> it it actually feels like you're turning this big airplane, and it's a feel. So the gyro for me, even though I have it turned way down, it it I will turn it down and then work myself up till I get that same feel that I would in a bigger, normal, you know, real aircraft. So for me, coming from a real pilot, you know, or a professional pilot to an RC guy, that's really what I think, you know, if I had to explain it or if, if the guys on Facebook are listening, you know, and they want to talk about it, that's fine. But in my eyes, that's really what a gyro does is that, uh, you know, I've flown some airplanes that are just like, hold on, you know. And, and yet if you put a gyro in it, it feels more like an actual kind of real airplane. But that's just my opinion. Please jump on the on the web and yeah. let us know what you think or how you feel. Uh, I'm well, more than willing to I'll listen what, to your side what of the story. Really, what I really love about when a gyro on a plane when you have it all dialed in, and that is landing. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you know, you, you could have where your landings are kind of iffy and a little bumpy, but something about having a you know a gyro in your plane and then all of a sudden you start making these amazing landings and boy, does that do, that does a lot for your confidence. It does. It gives you a lot of confidence, but it also slows you on the sticks, right? Cause you're not, you're not bumping it. You're not being like, Oh, Oh, Oh. Cause it, when you pull back yeah, on no, the yeah, stick, no. the nose goes up, exactly nose goes up, nose goes up. And you're pull. trying, you, you, all you're doing is making this smooth transition to a nose up to where you're just in. As soon as I have the nose in the landing configuration, yeah. I don't want to go any higher than that. I want to stay right there. And then I can just bump the throttle if I need it. And then just come in and land. And, I, and you know, oh, yeah. guys the, guys at my field, not toot my own horn, but guys at my own field are always amazed that I can land on the center line and so smoothly. And and I'm kind of like, I don't understand the mentality behind that, but then I watch everybody else fly and it's yeehaw cowboy, you know, hold on and, you know, bounce it down the runway kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, you could get rid of all of that stuff. And they always blame the wind or, you know, it was crazy, something, something else. It wasn't them. And it's always technique, but... Uh, but I don't know, you know, I mean, it's just the way I learned to fly without any of the gyro or the expo or anything. And when I did find those, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. So, I mean, I was doing pretty good at landings before all that. And like you said, you know, 10 hours a day on the simulator didn't hurt any. So yeah, either. So 
you know, because I would yeah. actually, every night when I came home from work, I'd jump on there and spend at least an hour doing takeoff and landings in my RC airplane on uh, real flight. So yeah. I got really good. Like at, I said, uh, the only that. thing that uh, has me kind of that I don't like so much is like the crescendo that we were, that I did a Scott's plane and yeah. that, and we didn't, you know, once again, it wasn't a really good thermally day. It was right. more of, we were just flying it like a plane and, you know, scooting and going and stuff. But, you know, it was fine. It was fine for that. Or once again, if you were a beginner, the nice part is that that plane will just fly right out of your hand, you know, for mm -hmm. taking off. And, you know, I think for a beginner, once again, that it would be beneficial for for having that all the different modes in, in that particular plane but as for when i actually tried to you know glide the plane and was trying to look for thermals i was like hmm i'm not finding anything and then i thought about it and i go well of course not because i can't see any reaction oh for right, the, right for the glider right it's damping because, all that you know, out hey the right wing when it hits hits a little bit of warm air no, it doesn't. Right, yeah. The gyro yeah, correct right, for the that. The right wing goes up, and then it pushes. It, you know, next thing I know, it's nice and level. So, it, it was. <laughs> right, it was one right. of those things you had to get into a, a whole mass of warm air, and then you'd see the whole glider go up. You know, oh, it rise, right, and you go, right. "Oh, there's warm air." You know, there's warm air there. Right. That was the only way I could tell what was going on. Yeah, you know, you know I didn't think I about that, but you're right. Mass. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. So that that was the I think that was the one thing we that him and I were talking about was we hadn't set it up on the radio but we were trying to figure out can you turn can you turn off the you know, turn off the uh, the gyro off right. once you got up there type of thing and we never figured you know it's one of those things we never got around to figuring that out you know but I'm yeah. you know I would, that's one of those things if we could turn it off then it would be great but yeah from what I and, heard, and you really can't turn it off right so. I think you can turn it way down but I don't think you can turn it all the way off. I think yeah. it's part of the software. So, well, uh, while we're talking about that, um, you know, I got to fly with Jim when I was down there for you know that the Fourth of July day, and then uh, I'm back in Phoenix now. But uh, he did an amazing repair job. We we dinged up the nose gear when we were down there, right? And uh, right the first day, the first day, and he brought it back, and uh, it was great repair. He did a really fantastic job. And I took him for a couple of flights, and I took you for a flight. And uh, right. we, we wound up – on your flight, you did great, except at the very end, you just got a little slow. Uh, and as the nose touched, you pulled back a little bit more on the stick, and the nose dropped. And when it dropped, it grabbed a big clump of grass and bent the steering mechanism on the gear. And uh, I don't yeah. remember us talking about that on the last podcast, but, uh, but that did happen, and so it kind of ended the A-10 flying. But – I had to go, and uh, and then I get a text from you, and uh, obviously you guys were able to go back out to the field. So, yeah. So you know, once again, um, on that particular break, uh, I thought the the strut was just a little bit bent. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. um, Jim had attempted while we were at the field because he wanted to fly some more. You know, he, sure. He, one of well, the I mean, it's a new airplane, no batteries. So he he wanted to fly it again. So he was trying to bend it back in shape. And when he was bending it and uh, the way the, um, the steering mechanism goes, there's a, a little rod that kind of comes off, you know, off the strut, which is the actual steering mechanism that gets pushed by the servo. Right. Well, it kind of it kind of got a little fatigue, a little crack of fatigue crack in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, it was right there at the angle where, the, where he was trying to bend the thing straight again and it was getting more bent. And it was just one of those things, the more you touched it or looked at it, the, like, the a like a like a paperclip bending back and forth 
Yeah. It starts turning and, and in a different it wasn't color, like it was you know, bent hey. back and forth. It, it just was the hardness of the metal. Right. It was a small, it's just a, you know, like yeah, a it's a tiny rod. Like thickness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that thing just kind of snapped and it was like, well, maybe we can get it to fly. And we're like, yeah, the minute it touches a blade of grass, you know, yeah, things going to break. And sure enough, just kind of sitting there and, and just kind of touching the wheel, it, it ended up breaking off. So mm-hmm. the flying was done. And I'm sitting here looking at this particular rod and it's not just, it's not just a rod, the same thickness all the way through. It, it's kind of like it's a tapered. rod and then it goes into another piece of aluminum rod. And so it's like press fit into, they're press fit into each other. And, right. the, and the other rod's a different thickness than the rod that's pressed into it that goes to the servo. Right. And I'm just like, oh man, how's Jim going to fix this? Because unfortunately <laughs> you can't get parts for this plane. It's so new. They're just yeah. There's not a whole lot available. Parts right. Yeah, nothing's available. Nothing's coming until you know August to you know 2024. You know that type of thing. Right. So, uh, so he's sitting there like I. I was just like, how how are you going to fix this? I mean, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Now his fix from before was pretty ingenious because he he was looking for a pin. You know, it, it was a relatively easy you know fix for the for the part I, that he broke before like when you the first after you made this plane um but the problem was you couldn't get these pins and he was looking through his junk drunk drawer that he has you know all his plane parts and he, he got um what's that thing called um uh it's a pin it's a uh cotter pins like a big giant cotter pin oh that yeah, you, yeah that you yeah. put on like a farm implement but right. it was the it was the same it was the same diameter for like three millimeters or whatever and right. he was able to you know cut off the chunk that he needed uh he cut uh he cut it he was able to take his dremel and lightly scored around the top so he could put the cot uh the uh, e-clip back into it to hold on you know once it was back in the strut it was a, it was amazing fix you know so it was you know for such a small delicate part uh you know he did a great job so anyway um for for this other break for the actual steering that went to the servo uh as he was looking at this he was able to take it all apart and the part that uh connected to the strut uh was this, it was an aluminum piece and he was able to grab a uh, uh a piece of threaded uh rod a 440 rod right mm-hmm. and he noticed that oh well you know it just barely you know it fits in this it fits in this hole that, you know, I said, like, it went from a thick piece to a thin piece. So he was able to thread the 440 rod into the into the aluminum. It was, you know, the aluminum was just soft enough that he was able to thread it into it. Oh, wow. You know, by doing it very slowly back and forth, and he was able to tap it, hmm. you know, using this 440 rod. And then he, you know, then he undid it, bent it how it was supposed to go, attached it to the servo. Bink! Worked fantastic. Wow. And uh, I was, like, once again, truly amazed. Uh, also he had to make another pin cause, um, it's sitting on the shaft that, uh, this collar slides up and down as the servo, you know, goes up and down. And so it travels along this thing. And, and so he was looking for a pin that was the same diameter and he didn't have, he couldn't find anything. So he got on Amazon and I think I got a picture of it. I'll, I'll put it on the YouTube, uh, version. Okay. Um, but he got a little box that has all these different stainless steel pins and he was able to find a pin that fit without the old Dremel was able to reshape it, make a, make an exact copy of it, put it in there and everything worked, you know? And, uh, it, it was a really, really, really neat fixed, wow. you know, because there's no parts. Right, and and right. basically he scoured the internet or I should say RC groups until he came across one, 
reference that somebody said, hey, use this uh, this continued part from, I think, like Motion RC, you know, uh, plane, uh, sure. Sure. this landing gear fits should be a, a replacement for the other one and and it and it is it's the same size and everything but of course the uh, the plate that you would normally screw into the uh into the aircraft the four you put four bolts into it and you know attach yeah. it to the actual plane the one he got from motion rc is way smaller so the the holes don't line up so uh. basically he's if he does have to use it in the in the, in the future he's gonna have to make like a plywood plate Oh, of right, the right. original and then, and then cut it right. and cut out a square that he's able to put the new gear on top of sure. and screw that down sure so it you know if that's in the future if that that part happens to break but anyway great fix right so he's all proud and looking at it and he's like man i did a great job which he did and then he he kind of looks down and he, he powers it all up and you know it, he's cycling everything and it's working and he's all oh all right and then he hears a in the wing in the right wing and he's like what is that noise and he looks down and the uh like the right aileron is askew oh. so he's he reaches down there and he, he the, the starts chattering more as he's kind of trying to move the uh, servo or figure out what's wrong with it the gear the, the gear is broken it's got a broken plastic gear and he's like how did that happen yeah you know <laughs> he's sitting on the bench he has no idea when when the gear broke so he's just like uh so he's looking around and i guess he uh he found some uh, metal metal geared servos that he was going to put in there, and so he goes, "Okay, this is easy. You know, they're same size. You know, nine gram, ten gram. I'll just swap them out." Goes to swap them out. Um, of course, he can't just swap them out because the leads that go through the wing, um, they're really really long, and so he didn't want to take the whole plane apart to find the you know find all the leads and right. plug everything in. If right. his you know if his servo is the same length. You know, the servo lead length was the same. He had new cl no clue. So he just kind of clipped off the bad one, clipped off his, did some minor soldering, got it all to work. And he's like, whew. So he gets it all together, you know, once again, puts puts the head back on the uh, servo, sticks it back in the hole, attaches everything, and he goes to move everything, and both the servo arms are going uh, the, the same, same direction. <laughs> They're not going opposite like they normally Something's do. Reversed. And he's like, he's like, is this servo rever you know, is the servo I bought reversed or was the servo I just took out of there reversed? Right. And so that led him down for a quagmire for like the, the next two days as he was trying to figure out which servo, if a servo was reversed, if the reverser was somewhere, you know, buried deep in the, in the, uh, in the uh, actual uh, uh, wing of the plane, mm -hmm. you know, so he's like trying to reference things. So he's, he's going nowhere and he calls me up and we kind of brainstormed for it for a little while. And I just said, well, Jim, I had another plane. I had a similar problem and it was just easier to cut the hog out some foam, uh, you know, on, out of the, uh, where the, where the actual servo goes, just hog yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. Just so the other side, it, you slip it over and just flip it over and put it back in there, right. you know, right. and you'll be fine. And, th and that's what he ended up doing in order to get it to work. So, well, Once I'm again, inter he, I'm interested. To, uh, if, did the servo have brushless motor? Because if it did, he I could have just soldered. The, I can't answer that question. I really don't. You would have to look up what servos were in there, and I have no. Well, idea. if it's a brushless motor, you can just resolder the two wires. Then it runs the other way. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, once again, I, yeah. I, I don't doubt that, but you know, yeah. I, I just don't have the information because I didn't ask Jim any of that stuff at the time. So, well, I know, I know on my A10, when you order parts or another new servos for my big A10, that you, mm -hmm. you are ordering two of them on the other side that are reverse servos. Right. So I know that one of them, they're all facing the same direction and one of them, like the, the flap servo is opposite they're like looking at each other and that one is actually mm -hmm. a, uh that one's a reverse servo so so i i don't doubt that he probably bought one and it was reversed when he took it out but actually not reversed going in so that makes when sense. You put it back in yeah right yeah or well, the new one he, was not yeah, a reverse i hope by crook he was able to you know he fixed it all put it all back together put up tape repainted re it looked right. great right when I, when I looked at the repair, once again, I couldn't tell that he had, you know, hogged out foam, stuck everything back in there. It looked, it looked fine. Right. So a great repair. And, um, so like you said, I, we, we got together sometime just a little while ago this week, right. Or last week. And, uh, we went out and we re remade the aircraft. So, oh, good. um, which kind of leads us into another segue of a safety minute. Now, if you remember the last safety minute that we had, which was if you're working on a if you're working on an electric plane yes. or a drone, take always take the, the props. props off. That is correct. Take the props off, then mess with then mess with it, and you know, get your electronic speed controller right and do whatever you have to do or right. figure out what the brake's doing, but take the prop off. Right. That was that was the last one, and reason why you know I ended up almost chopping my finger off. Right. So this time, um, I will say. Always do your safety checks, and that's the moral of the story, I guess. Safety checks are key. So in this little tale, um, it's amazing. I, I think when I was talking to you about this earlier, uh, so I used to, you know, when I was in the Air Force long eons and eons ago, I used to work in a safety office. Mm -hmm. And out of the thousands of safety stories or mishaps that I read about, there were very, 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 very few, you know, something from God came down and, you know, the controls froze and, or the, you know, they, they fell off. I mean, that, that rarely ever happens. It, it's more like, um, one of those, uh, Ruberg puzzles. Somebody does something out of sequence. Somebody drops a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. Somebody's showing somebody a picture of their kid and forgets to tighten a bolt, you know, and then this crazy sequence of events happens to an accident. Yeah. It's a string of you errors, know? a string of errors. It's a string of errors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, in this particular little saga, you know, Jim had been working on this plane all week. All week, you know, it took him, or the weekend, for him to figure out what was going on with these servos. Right. And he finally cracked the code, got them all, got them all situated, put them back in the plane, tested them, put them back in the plane, repainted the plane, and here we are at the field. Right. Now, so in walks me. I'm going to be the pilot to, to made in the plane. My main focus at that time, because when you flew the plane, um, Jim has some of his switches in non, uh, in different places than where you and I would put the switches, okay? That's correct. And so I was a little concerned about that because his, where he has his gear switches on the other side of the radio, and that's, and you know, and the same with the flap switch and some other things. So I was like, oh man, I... You know, so I'm sitting here studying the radio to make sure, flipping things to make sure I can get it in my head that flipping this and flipping that, you know, turns this on, turns that off. 
And on top of that, he had the switch that turned on the safe mode. And he's like, oh, yeah, and this, and this switch, when you flip that, it turns on that, that safe recovery mode. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to touch that switch. Yeah, that's so the no-no I'm switch. Up the radio and I'm holding it, trying to get a hold of it so that my, you know, normally I kind of hold it where I have my fingers are touching the switches that I'm going to be using. Right, right. right. So now I'm trying to, that particular switch is one, one that I always touch. Is, it's, I usually always have for something that I use. So now I'm trying to don't deprogram touch. myself yes. to not touch yeah. that button, you know. And I'm like, okay, don't, don't touch that switch. Don't touch that switch. And I'm like picking it up and I'm just, that, that's what I was sitting there studying because I knew if anything was going to happen when I flew the plane, it was going to be because I touched something. I touched the wrong switch. Okay. So I did not want to call it. So just to bring everybody up to speed in the short time we have the, uh, this is your first, uh, chance at the, I should say pilot and command side. You, you're now the. Yes. You're on the buddy box because when I was there, I was yes, the, we're on the buddy. I was the master. You were the buddy, and now this time, That's right. you're the master, the master, and Jim's going to be the buddy. So you're you're about to yes. take off and then let Jim go fly the airplane. So you were in control. Yes. All right. Just yes. just getting the story straight. So once again, that that was my focus, right? So I'm just playing. I'm just focused on making sure I I understand his radio, and I'm not going to make a mistake and things like that. So. We, we get out there and um, we, uh, Jim's, we, we're on the table and he's plugging it in and getting everything plugged in. And uh, one, of the, one thing I noticed that when Jim plugged the radio in, you know, the gyro has to go through its initialization sequence. And usually when it does that, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to do anything with it. So mm -hmm. I noticed that Jim was, uh, he plugged it in and then he started trying to tuck all the wires in. So he's tucking wires in, he's moving the plane all around while it's trying to initialize. And so it, init it finally initializes, and then um, Jim had picked it up, put it on the, taken it off the table, put it on the ground. And I go, Jim, uh, can you put the, can you grab the, can you grab that plane and put it back on the, put it back on the table? And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to reinitialize it because you were trying to either, you know, either you got to get in the habit to just plug in, just plug the power in, let it initialize. Then you can tuck all the wires in, um, you know, before you do the plane. So you just kind of get a sequence of how you're going to do this. So he's like, oh, okay. So he unplugs the plane, replugs the plane back in. It initializes. He puts it all together. <clears throat> now, um, also part of this, Jim had some surgery on his foot. And his wife told me not to let Jim walk around too much. So at that point, I give Jim the radios. I grab the plane and I walk out into the middle of the field. Then I, I walk back, you know, I meet Jim back at the edge of the field with the radios, take the radio. And then I kind of do a semi-function check from the field back to where Jim is. Um, so I'm checking all my parts, all my radios, and I'm like, okay, great. Um, everything seems to be fine. So uh, I kind of I go through my sequence with the radio, trying to figure things out, um, you know, in my mind. I kind of, you know, go through trying to touch the switches, and I'm like, okay, everything's good. I, I, think, uh, I, think, we're, I think we're good. Okay, um, here we go, right? So now we're ready to take off. Now, Mike had told me when he flew the plane, one of the problems that it had, especially on this grass runway, was that you had to have full stick back, you know, back pressure on the stick to, to alleviate the bounciness on the nose gear. 
or else the nose gear takes a lot of punishment. Now, Jim had also modified the nose gear, took out a little bit of the spring so it wasn't as stiff and it had a little bit more give, and that made a world of difference. Okay, so anyway, I, I have the, you know, I have full, uh, full back pressure on the, on, the, uh, on the elevator. I give it full power. It's tracking straight. Um, everything's looking good, and I'm real conscious because I'm looking for, you know, once that nose gear breaks the ground, and the plane gets light. I want to release the back pressure on the plane, and let and just let the gyro kind of take you know take control and fly on out. And man, the takeoff was beautiful. It it broke. It you know I I could see it getting light. It broke. Didn't bounce into the air or anything. Um, the next thing I know, uh, as it breaks and kind of flies off, I'm like woohoo, <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, I, I'm just watching it fly out and I'm like, all right, perfect. It didn't, it didn't wreck anything. No parts or pieces are falling off. And so the, the, on that particular direction in the field, uh, you kind of turn right, um, and start heading towards the trees and make your turn and come back. And so as I make my right, I start to break to make my right turn. And, um, as I do, the plane starts going to the left and I'm like, that's weird. The plane's going to the left. Why is it? Do, why is the gyro doing that? So I give it a little bit more right, and then it it starts going more to the left. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm wow. Within half a second, I got the stick buried into the corner on the right to counteract what it's doing going to the left. While the plane flips over on its back, um, flies for a little bit, then you know, comes down and hits the ground gently. You know, it doesn't it doesn't you know. It doesn't go nose first or anything, but it just lands on top of the canopy, and then it breaks. It breaks into a couple of big pieces, and you know some foam flying all over the place. And I'm just sitting there with my mouth agape because you know this wasn't like 30 seconds. This quite literally was within eight to ten seconds that this all happened, and I'm just like, what happened? And then it hit me. The controls were reversed. I, I could just tell by just the sequence of what happened. You know, I, I was inducing the plane turning like that, you know. Um, so sure enough, I walk up and the power's still on. The nose is kind of broken off. I kind of pick up those pieces. I take them back. Uh, I get the radio. You know, the back of the plane's fine, you know, but the canopy and that whole front top part of the aircraft is kind of all broken apart. But it's, once again, big pieces, so it's repairable. So anyway... Uh, I hear buzzing from the front uh, nose gear, uh, steering gear, which was uh, very disappointing because um, it's obvious that they just use plastic gear servos for that, which I, I really thought was kind of, you know, for a plane that you're going to be flying on grass fields or, you know, an A-10, you'd want to have metal gear for the steering for this particular plane. Um, but anyway, um, sure enough, I get up there, I start moving the sticks on the radio, um, and, uh, I'm just like, oh boy, uh, the, 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 everything's reversed. It is reversed. There's nothing we can do about it that, you know, and then I'm just kind of like, I cannot believe that I did not do my, my function check. You know, I skipped right over it, you know, and I just, in the back of my mind, I was so worried about the radio that when we went to do the function check, I'm like, Jim's checked this plane over 50 bazillion times this weekend, you know, getting all the parts in. 
Well, unbeknownst to me, you know, when Jim was putting everything together, he had the plane upside down. So to him, all the everything was working properly, but he wasn't really even thinking about it. You know, so it was just a comedy of errors of, you know, his build. But really, uh, I should have caught that as the, you know, the pilot in charge. And I didn't because I failed to do my function check. So, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't go so well. Well, dude, that, that is totally sucks. And, and you know, unfortunately, I, and I totally get what you're saying because being the pilot in command, you're responsible. You're the one signing for it. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're dude. doing it all. I, I felt so bad, especially and, after all that hard work he did to repair yeah. the plane. Yeah. And, you know, and, and even though he, you know, he might have put the things in backwards, right. it really doesn't matter because I was the guy. Right. Had I just done that function check like I always do. You, you know, you, you know, and I have had I a similar that issue, though. That, said, hey, that, those are in backwards. Yeah, you know, we had a similar issue when the F-15, when you were down here and we built that G- GWS F-15, we took it to the park. We had exactly the same problem. Yeah. You were busy doing something. Yeah. I was being something. I was a PIC. I was like, okay, left, right, left, right, left, right. You were like, yep, 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 let's go. And it was one of those where I was left and said right, and you go, yep. And then I was right and said left. Uh, so it was, you know, I was like left, right, and I pushed the stick the wrong way. But it was because I said that and you were standing with your back to me. You know, yeah, that works. So it it is one of those things that, you know, the safety minute for the day is that you should always do your flight control checks. And I will tell you that on a real airplane, it's in every checklist on every airplane I've ever flown. And I have flown a ton. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason because you want to make sure they're going in the right direction. Uh, and if they're not, this is one of those times that in my head, we just got finished talking about trust your gyro. <laughs> And yet, you know, at the same token, and, and I'm going to be in Jim's corner for this one because we're going to beat up on you, but in the same token, that has a gyro. If you would have just let go of the sticks, it probably would have stayed doing what it was supposed to do and righted it. Oh, yeah, no. Had I not touched anything, it just would have flown off. Right. You know, and maybe I could have figured it out that something was amiss. Right. But like I said, I, I was just, you know, I was going in that initial how we, you know, we take off from there and then you, you, you go ahead and you just start making that right-hand turn. You, yeah. You pop the gear up and all that kind of stuff. I was just about to start flipping switches mm. and that thing just started rolling to the left. <laughs> I went, oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, that's not right. That's crazy. Well, the good news is it didn't damage most of the airplane, though, right? It's just, you know, you kind of dinged up. Yeah, the, it, it's so this it's is what I fixable, I should say. It's fixable. Right. And right. so he's going to end up making an A-10 bastard. So it's gonna, it's it ain't going to look it ain't going to look pretty. Sure. But honestly, if he can fix it and I offered to fix it, if he didn't, you know, if he wasn't going to. But he said he was going to go ahead and work on it this right. over the weekend. But if he fixes the plane, like I said, it won't look, it won't look pretty, mm-hmm. but it'll be functional. And therefore, there will be no pressure left on that plane. Right. You know what and I mean? You guys can fly it like so, you stole it. So I told him, I said, well, I guess you may be getting a, a birthday gift. When's your birthday? He's like, oh, not until February. And I go, well, maybe an early Christmas gift. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, I'll buy him a new fuselage. Right. And then, you know, at, so we can beat this thing to death, get it, right. get it all tweaked out, right. fly it. And then get him a new fuselage and then, you know, make it look pretty. And sure. now now we'll have the whole flying, you know, all the bugs out of it. Well, so there you that's go. Because the wing was fine. The wing was fine. Um, the rudders were fine. You know, the rest. Mm-hmm. So basically, right, you know, most of those planes break right where the uh, canopy joins up with the. the well, that's uh, the weakest part. Wing strut, you, know, yeah. you know, that root area. 
So, well, anyway. I'm sorry to hear that. That just kind of stinks. But, you know, that's one of those things. You just live to learn and learn to live, and you can pass it along to all our listeners that always do your flight control checks before you take off. Every time. Every, Every time. time. Jeez. Yeah. Even if you come down. That was one of the things you mentioned when we were talking about this earlier is that uh, you were saying that, you know, people will comment, hey, you just flew that airplane. Why are you doing it again? And uh, I'll tell you that it's on every checklist, every flight. You know, as soon as you come back on the ground, you want to redo it because you never know. Something may have changed. Well, I mean, I'm sure if you go through a repertoire of you flying you know, especially other people's airplanes or, or a plane that you had that was maybe had a slight mishap or was acting wonky or something. And you, you know, Oh, let me get in there. And you're messing with the controls or you, you're re um, what's the word uh, reinserting the servos and back into the receiver. Mm -hmm. You know, you ever had that where that, or maybe one was pulling out or you're trying to get to the battery or trying to get to something and you, you might've pulled it, pulled a couple of the things out and you're pushing them back in and you're like, okay, let's go. Yep, and who knows what you stuck them in? You well, know? I mean, I've so, actually yeah. had I've actually had an incident where I caught the the servo. I just flew the airplane somehow. Whatever I did while I was up there stripped the servo, and when I came down, yeah, it, you know, I just I plugged the no battery in. I was taxiing out. As soon as I got to the runway, I went wink wink. What what? Why isn't that moving? <laughs> And, you know, oh, and then the L39 incident, we actually talked about a podcast when Mike was flying. Uh, that was way back when we were talking about abort, the abort. He didn't understand oh, what that yeah, meant yeah, yeah. because I saw that the flap was not down. One flap was That's and right. one flap was not. And uh, it was one yep. of those things that it uh, was not that way. You know, I mean, we just flew that airplane and I checked it all. Something that we normally do is take off with or without flaps, but on that particular case, he put the flaps down and only one came down. And what was the problem? The yeah, little the little keeper on the end of the servo came off, and the rod was hanging. So that was the only thing, and I think it happened when we hit a bump or something. So, yep. Well, uh, I'll say that Jim, Jim was a good sport about it, you yeah, know, right. so, I, you know. Sure. I, I really do feel bad, but, uh, you know, he was a good sport about it, and uh, that him. plane will fly again, so. Well, we are sorry to hear about that, Jim. I, I apologize uh, on behalf of Jay. I know that kind of, he thinks it's awful. He called me as soon as he left the field and was just like, you're not going to believe this. I was always like, oh, I was lamenting the whole way home. I felt bad. I just was like, lay it on me, brother. I, I feel your pain. <laughs> So, but, uh, well, good. I'm glad he's a good sport. He understood. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like anything else, you know, it's just a comedy of errors. Um, well, unfortunately our hours is up. Uh, it was, man, it's blew past and, uh, I love hearing your stories. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, try to see if we can get, uh, AK Mike back on. Um, uh, we appreciate our listeners jumping on the Facebook page and having a discussion. And, uh, the more the merrier. Come on out. We, uh, we'd love to hear you. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, give that a try, too. We're trying to figure, figure out this, the best video uh, since all of us are in separate locations. We even tried it when I was at your location. It didn't seem to work as well. So a new platform. Yeah, so we're, we're trying a new platform. We're still working on a few of the bugs, folks, so we apologize for that. Yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll get it to work. So uh, if, you're, if we're missing a YouTube section, we'll, uh, we'll try to get to it. But uh, we love uh, hearing from you. Uh, shoot us an email at parkfirepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we appreciate your patronage. Uh, other than that, man, it's uh, going to be a 
quick two weeks, and uh, I guess we'll be back, huh? Yep. So, well, from Michael here in Arizona. And Jay from the hills of Texas. We will see you in two weeks. Let's Let's fly. fly. (laughs) You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.